Wonderful. Good afternoon, everyone, uh, and welcome to the Friday, October 17, 2014, special meeting of the Neighborhood Services and Safety Committee. My name is David Campos. I'm the chair of the committee. We are joined today by committee vice chair, Supervisor Eric Marr. Uh, the other member of the committee, Supervisor Norman Yee, is en route. No, he's, he will not be attending. He will not be attending. Okay, so. Uh, and the clerk uh, of the committee is Derek Evans, and we want to thank the following members of SFGTV, Jonathan uh, Gomwalk and Jennifer Lowe, who are covering the meeting today. Uh, before we begin, uh, can we have a motion to excuse Supervisor Norman Yee? Motion by Supervisor Marr, if we can take that without objection, without objection. Uh, Mr. Clerk, do we have any announcements? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. Completed speaker cards and copies of documents to be included in the file should be submitted to the clerk. Items acted upon today will appear on the October 28, 2014 Board of Supervisors agenda unless otherwise stated. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, if we can uh, call item number one. Item number one is a hearing to consider the issuance of a type 20 off-sale beer and wine license to 507 Columbus Avenue in District 3 to Syed Jail Hedari for Alimento Delhi will serve the public convenience and necessity. Wonderful. If we can begin by asking the applicant to, or his representative to come up, uh, Syed uh, Jalal Hedari, and I yes. apologize if I didn't get that uh, right. He's right. He's if you can speak into the mic, sir. Sure. Good afternoon. My name is Sayyid Jalal Haydari, and I own the Alimenta Deli, located on the 507 Can you bring Columbus, the mic closer to you? Thank Columbus you. Avenue, and located right at the Columbus and uh, Green. So, Alimenta is absolutely is one of a kind of the deli, and is one of the neat and cleanest deli, especially in North Beach, as everybody knows that. And I get a lot of compliment every day, every single hours. <clears throat> we provide a lot of uh, product from Italy. Is it the meat, prosciutto, copa, um, pancetta, salami, and some cookies, sausage, pasta, you name it. Um, we do have the best gelato, and hardly ever people, they come from Italy and they try that gelato in, in San Francisco, and they say this is better than the product is exists in Italy. Um, one thing the store is mi missing is a beer and wine, because a lot of my customers they come and they ask for the sandwiches and they want to grab a six packs or they want to grab a wine to go, and this is the only thing is missing from the part of the store and I have to tell the customer, I'm sorry, we don't have it. Um, I've been in the neighborhood since last seven years, and we did not even have one incident regardless, or one call or whatever happening in that store causing a neighborhood. Uh, I don't have that much to say what I, I need. The only thing I need is a beer and wine license and that is gonna make my life easier and make me more successful. And I do have a couple of uh, neighbors, they join me if they wanna talk regardless of what, what is, what's going on at the store, welcome. I really thank you if you can support me to get this license, and I really appreciate that. Thank you.
you very much. Anything else to add? Um, Supervisor, I just wanted to point out that this will be a very, very small uh, part of his business. Um, he'll be using the existing cooler that's there, removing things from that cooler, moving it to another. So the major part of his business will be the deli, the gelato, and so forth, as he mentioned, and the custom sandwiches. Um, so the wine and beer will be in one small one-door cooler. Just wanted to point that out. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I actually thank you very much. Uh, I've, I forgot to mention two things. One, that today we are joined by our colleague, Supervisor uh, John Avalos, who uh, will be uh, uh, sitting in for Supervisor Norman Yee today as a member uh, of the committee. And then the second thing that I forgot to say is go Giants. So with that, if we can now hear from uh, our police department. And we have here uh, our lieutenant, Lieutenant Santos. Supervisor Campos, Supervisor Marr, Supervisor Avalos, Good afternoon. My name is Lieutenant Ed Santos, and I represent the San Francisco Police Department's ABC Liaison Unit. Sayed Hadari, on behalf of Alimento LLC, has filed an application with the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, ABC, seeking a Type 20 off-sale beer and wine license for 507 Columbus Avenue. Mr. Hadari operates a deli convenience store at this location. Mr. Hardari has been operating at this location for over six years. The store is located on the northwest side of Columbus Avenue, crossing Green Street. For the purposes of this hearing, the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, ABC, seeks a determination from the Board of Supervisors as to the approval or denial of this license. This premise is located in plot 130. The plot had 162 police reports recorded for the year 2013. The applicant's premise is located in a high crime area. The state census tract information, this premise is located in census tract 107. Off sale licenses authorized by census tract are five. Active off sale licenses are eight. The applicant's premise is currently located in an undue concentration area. On record, there are no recorded letters of protest with the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. As far as letters of support, there are none recorded as well with the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. The San Francisco Police Department ALU has no recommended conditions established for this location, and the police department recommends that the license is approved. The San Francisco deemed ordinance use, ordinance shall apply. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant Santos. Yeah. Colleagues, do we have any questions for uh, our ALU? Okay. Uh, why don't we now turn to public comment. Any member of the public who would like to speak? Uh, please come forward. You have up to three minutes. So if there's any member of the public to speak on this item, please come on up. My name is Trish Herman. I'm president of North Beach Neighbors. Um, uh, Salal is a member of North Beach Neighbors. He's been a good business operator. He's been a good part of the community. So we do have a letter on file that we have no objection to him adding this source of revenue to his business. 
Great. Thank you very much. Is there any other member of the public? Please come on up. Hi, my name is Colton Ward. Uh, I live across the street from Alimento. I have been doing so since uh, they opened. I also agree. I think Chris is a great business owner, a very kind man. And uh, yes, it is a high crime area, but I also think that that's a function of uh, being a major thoroughfare area. I can also um, attest to it being uh, very good with gelatos and their cookies as well. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Any other member of the public? Okay, if you do want to speak, if you can please line up to your uh, right and to our left. Yes, go ahead. Good afternoon. My name is Sarah Izapana, and I'm an attorney here in San Francisco and also a very dedicated patron of Alimento. I've been going there for about four years. Um, I can attest to the fact that I have witnessed um, the cleanliness of the store, and I have never witnessed an incident of any problems within the store. And one thing that I admire the most is the amount of caution that Mr. Haydari takes in serving his customers, especially when it comes to um, checking for licenses for the sale of lottery and for cigarettes. So that really impresses me because I have been in a lot of um, different places where individuals don't check. Um, and I think that he is... Um, very cautious in that, and aside from providing really good service, is very um, law-abiding, if I should say. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any other member of the public who has not spoken? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Uh, we appreciate the, the public for coming out. We want to thank the applicant for the community outreach that they have done. Uh, that's very important for us as we consider these applications. Uh, this is something that has been recommended by, the, by our uh, police department. And I know that the district supervisor, Supervisor uh, Chu, is supporting it as well. So colleagues, do we have any motion on this? So I'll move approval of the license. And I just thank Mr. Hidari for, for reaching out to the neighborhood as well. Great. Thank you. So thank you very much. So if we can take that motion without objection. Uh, without objection. And are we sending this? Uh, it's not a committee report, so uh, we'll take this as a positive recommendation. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, Mr. Clerk, if you can call, call item number two. Item number two is a resolution urging the Pacific Gas and Electric Company to grant the police department the ability to install gunshot tracking technology on PG&E telephone and power poles throughout the San Francisco without charge for the purpose of furthering community policing and curbing gun violence. Thank you. Uh, colleagues, this is an item uh, that I have introduced with the support of uh, uh, Supervisors Kim, Breed, and, and Mar, uh, and uh, we are uh, in discussions with the various individuals that are involved on this very important issue. And I would simply ask uh, uh, that we continue this to the call of the chair. Uh, but before I do that, I would like to ask any member of the public who would like to speak on item number two. Seeing none, public comment on item two is closed. So I would respectfully ask for a motion to continue to the call of the chair. So I move to continue the call of the chair. Thank you. Can we take that without objection? Without objection. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, if you can please call item number three. Item number three is a hearing to review the feasibility of equipping police officers with body mountain video cameras, including projected costs, logistical concerns, privacy concerns, and cost benefit analysis of potential savings from reductions in citizen complaints and use of force lawsuits. 
Great. Thank you. This is an item that has been introduced by Supervisor Avalos, and I want to thank Supervisor Avalos uh, for his leadership on this very important issue. So with that, I will turn it over to Supervisor Avalos. Great. Thank you, uh, Chair Campos. I appreciate your scheduling this hearing at this time so we could actually ensure that Youth Commission participation. Uh, it also worked for my schedule, too, as I have uh, it's difficult for me to be here on Thursdays. Um, this is a hearing that I called earlier this year. Um, this year has seemed to be one of the years where we've seen a real flare-up, not just in San Francisco, but uh, around the, the country, it, concern of the interactions between police uh, and community members, citizens. Uh, and one of the ideas that can help to alleviate tensions uh, between police and civilians uh, has been the addressing uh, potential uh, discrepancies and points of view uh, with objective material that can be provided by body-mounted cameras on police officers. Uh, if we had actually, uh, if police officers in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, had a body-mounted camera, uh, you probably would have avoided the issue, the incident that went on with Mike Brown's life in Ferguson. Uh, we also had a recent incident um, that has been high profile in San Francisco uh, surrounding uh, the death of Alex Nieto at the hands of police officers. Uh, and I think if there was a way that that incident could have been recorded with objective camera work, uh, it would have uh, alleviated many of the questions that are out there that have created additional tensions between community and police that I think would be significantly uh, changed if we had the cameras. Uh, so I had called this hearing so we could explore, uh, you know, what's out there in terms of policy, uh, what approaches the uh, police department is is taking in uh, bringing in body mounting cameras. There is a pilot program that will be talked about today by uh, Dep Deputy Chief Rigno, and I want to thank you for for being here. I also want to thank um, the public defender who's here as well. Uh, he's done a lot of work around. Um, you know, how evidence is collected around um, uh, arrests and has done a lot of work on the issue of body mounted cameras. Today is actually has a, an op-ed in the examiner around it as well, which I, I appreciated uh, to help frame today's uh, discussion. Um, but I think that there's, uh, you know, movement moving forward with the city, so it'll be great to hear from the police department what is happening. And then we also have the uh, members of the ACLU here as well to discuss um, some of the ideas around the use of body-mounted cameras, and I, I would want to make sure we get their perspectives as well. Um, there are, I think, some rules of the road that I think can enable them to be used more effectively and with greater transparency that they have offered. The ACLU also has a report about uh, the use of body-mounted cameras, and I think they'll be here to share some of those uh, thoughts as well. And I believe we have uh, Director Joyce Hicks here as well from Office of Citizen Complaints, or she may be arriving a little bit later. But uh, now I'll cede the mic to uh, Deputy Chief Rigno. Thank you and good afternoon. Uh, we've done a lot of work around the body cameras and I'm just gonna go briefly over the presentation and then please interrupt if you have any questions. So the San Francisco Police Department is a recipient of a $250,000 grant from the Department of Justice Community Orientated Police Grant. Uh, because it's $250,000, it's enough to fund a pilot program where we'll purchase 165 cameras. Uh, we will refer to them as PDRD, Portable Digital Recording Devices. 
During the pilot, we will deploy the PDRDs at 10 district stations and at some investigative units. Uh, the lion's share of the cost associated with body cameras is a storage of data. So the actual cameras themselves are not that cost prohibitive, but storing the data and all of the things that come with the technology is quite cost, quite costly. Uh, so during this pilot, sworn supervisors of plainclothes units, so those would be our undercover officers that are out and about at stations and some of the investigative units uh, that work downtown, and supervisors will carry the devices, shall complete department-approved training. So all of the training will be very thoughtful to make sure that we're very cognizant and uh, ensure the privacy rights of all human beings. Officers that have the body cameras or sergeants and supervisors will activate in pre-planned searches of a person, vehicle, or resident under conditions of probation searches, parole searches, and the execution of a search warrant. They may be activated during a consensual encounter. All body camera usage, PDRDs, are subject to periodic audits. Members are not allowed to delete files without authorization. Data stored will be stored in evidence.com for three years. I'm sorry, when you say members, that means officers? No, me well, members are, I'm a member. Anyone in the police department is a member, so the, it'll be a supervisor. Only supervisors of uh, plainclothes units will be allowed to use them during the pilot. So supervisory members uh, are not allowed to delete files without authorization. And again, the data will be stored for three years in evidence.com. And any usage will be documented in a police report. Pending action, what are the few things that are, why don't we have body cameras today? Well, uh, our draft policy is under review by the city attorney's office. And our final contract is at OCA undergoing another layer of the approval process. And I've been uh, in contact with them very frequently. We're almost there. Uh, so it's very close to coming to fruition. Our next step is to train officers. Uh, the vendor will come out, show us the product, train our officers, sergeants and supervisors rather, and uh, we'll conduct the pilot program during the pilot program and after will document our findings. It's a requirement of the, to be a grant recipient, you have to audit and document all the findings. And it will also be a requirement from the San Francisco Police Department so we can accurately track how effectively these worked. The long term, the long term projected costs of equipment with officers with body cameras for this grant period is $250,000. But should we equip all of the officers the long-term cost is roughly $21 million if every single officer in the San Francisco Police Department is equipped with body cameras. So clearly that's a, signif a significant cost and we would have to go after budget matters to make sure that that happened. Uh, privacy is of course uh, one of our major concerns. Uh, we'll require members to uh, compliance with Sunshine Ordinance requiring additional staff positions to field requests for Sunshine Ordinance, and then staff to redact videos and reports involving juveniles or confidential incidents. Logistics, really the logistical concern is that the data is extremely expensive to store, and then there's encryption and security concerns. So it's a new technology, and as it evolves, we have to uh, evolve our policies and practices to conform with that, but it is definitely you know, a new frontier, and with that new frontier comes some significant 
changes to how we do business. There's a lot of other police departments in this in the area that are using body cameras. We went and visited Oakland, uh, but they have a significant setup for network services, and it's very costly. So we just want to be very cognizant of how we move forward. Great, thank you. I have a, a number of questions, um, but first of all, uh, so when is the actual start for the pilot? Well, we can't start it until we get the cameras. So we are like this every day trying to get those cameras out of the OCA. It? So it's in the Office of Contract, and it's under, there's several steps of review. There's new, re new review processes that were put in place when we buy uh, computer-based equipment. So that's it. We're just waiting for it to go through the final step. And we've had uh, the city attorney's office has been shepherding it through the process. So we, ex you know, we expect and we hope that it'll be ready any any day now. And then the pilot lasts how long? The pilot is for well, it's I, I don't actually have the exact facts, but I know the grant expenditure has to be done by the end of the year, and the pilot I think is for two years. It's for it's for two years, and then while we're waiting for the cameras, have. Officers who will be using them already been trained? In no, because we don't have them. So we'll set up the training. The vendor's going to come out, show us how to do the training, work with evidence.com, and make sure we, we're not going to put them out until you know we have a competent core group of people that can use them. Right. And so uh, you actually, it's a pilot. Have you already looked at um, what are the issues that you want to explore in terms of information the pilot will provide? How, right. do you, how they're using, what, what, are, what are some of those considerations? That well, there's a lot of, the, the most important consideration, I think, are the privacy issues it brings up. Uh, and so we want to just be very thoughtful and cognizant of protecting people's rights and making sure that those privacy issues are, you know, key to how we roll this out. Also, I mean, it won't be used in any sort of First Amendment activities or gatherings or things of that nature. Right. Um, I wasn't clear what you meant. You have it on one of your slides about the consensual. Um... So a consensual encounter is, uh, if you say like, excuse, you know, we, uh, if I have a search warrant, I present you with a document, I go to your house, and we can conduct a search. But you can have a consensual encounter, which says like, hey, do you mind if I talk to you? Do you mind if I ask for your ID? And it's consensual. You agree to it. You agree to... You agree to me talking to you if I ask to you the for the top, but not to the camera being once they, once you've you agree that that interaction is consensual and that's right. the moment to turn on the camera. But there would but other is the camera turned on automatically in those encounters or most that, of the cameras go on there's a three second it goes on three second before and I'm not really clear because we haven't had the demonstration from the vendor, but they say anytime you're going to use the camera, it starts filming three seconds before any action is taken. So it gets kind of a before glimpse. And, and tasers work in that way at times. Is that, right. Is that correct? So the, this, the, the cameras are being provided by the taser? Yes. And so was there, how was it that we selected them as the vendor for this, this I program? think it went out for bid. And do we get a number of responses for? There's a, several companies that do have bid. I know we sent it out for bid, and that was the vendor that was selected. So, And then um, are, there, are there big, I know storage is going to be a big issue. Storage is the biggest issue. Right. So are there major differences between vendors in terms of storage? Yes, and the cost associated with it. So, for instance, Oakland keeps all of their data forever, uh, and they have a giant, they have a room bigger than this with network storage systems. So that would be next to impossible with the cost of real estate and everything else to secure that. So we're looking at how other agencies are doing it. If we can use uh, the evidence.com for three years, you know, for certain crimes, 
for certain incidents, we have to keep things forever if there's an appeal process and whatnot. So those can be downloaded and kept in a separate file, but we wouldn't necessarily have to keep every encounter if they'd already been adjudicated. Um, so do you, were you able to research um, places that have been able to use storage at a much lower cost than others that still gave effective Actually, access? Evidence.com was the cheapest, most efficient program we could find without building an entire network that was cost prohibitive and we couldn't have initiated the pilot program. And what made evidence.com? Um, well, they just had uh, actually uh, Gus Giatini, who is in the city attorney's office, negotiated the contract and he was just really uh, trying to hold them to the cost so that we could move forward with the project. Okay. Um, you had uh, talked about authorization to delete files, and I'm wondering, has that already been worked out in terms of the criteria for which gets deleted and when? Is it about time? Is it about certain types of files that, you know, certain member, officer, supervisors have the chance to delete? Yes. So for three years, we don't have to delete anything. So the process is still you know, we're still considering how to work about that, but no files will be deleted without authorization of, for right now, anything, uh, it's in charge of the investigator, right? The lead investigator of a case. So the lead investigator of a case has the say-so of the evidence, and so we'll still follow that protocol, and then it will go up through the chain to Commander Moser and then to Deputy Chief Sinos, who oversees investigations. And I'm just trying to figure out a measure for how police officers are accepting the use of, of cameras. Has there been any discussion with the Police Officers Association or any of the other association groups of police officers? Uh, and included with that was the other point I wanted to make with that. Um, yeah, I just wonder if there is an acceptance of, of them or how they're being... Yes, I think there is an acceptance. Uh, we've worked closely with the Police Officers Association so that we can uh, make this happen. And, you know, it's new technology. It's being used across the board at other places. So they understand that, and they're, they actually welcome the scrutiny. Is that something you have to do a meet and confer about? or No. No, okay. Colleagues, do we have other questions you want to I do have a, a couple of questions, if I may. Um, Thank you, Chief, for your presentation. Can you uh, describe a little bit more uh, sort of how many officers would actually be involved in the pilot? How many officers, how many cameras are we talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, sort of where exactly in the city that's happening? Okay, well, it's not happening yet because we don't have the cameras. But when it does happen, we have purchased or will purchase when you know, they deliver 165 cameras. So with 10 district stations, that's roughly, you know, 10 at each district station. And the SIT team, which is the station investigation team, are investigators and their supervisors. So that's where it would be used. On the undercover officers, the, we call them the 35 cars, they have a sergeant assigned to them, so they could only be used when a supervisor sergeant was with them. So they'd be used for undercover operations anytime we're enacting search warrants and whatnot. And then we're going to keep a few as backups in case, you know, piece parts out and whatnot. And then we have the violence reduction team and, uh, you know, if they're going to do a homicide search warrant or something of that nature. And again, being extremely cognizant of what things are not appropriate to videotape if they're confidential. And how do you know... Um if the pilot is successful, I mean, what kind of metrics would you use or look at in deciding that? 
Well, I think uh, in speaking with Director Hicks today, we're not really going to know if complaints have been reduced until the conclusion, until we've gathered all that data. Uh, But we can recognize from other agencies, from PERF, the uh, Police Executive Review Forum, and other places that have used body cameras, that that, uh, complaints against officers and complaints in general were greatly reduced. So, you know, we'll be tracking the number of complaints we get and working closely with the Office of Citizens complaint. Great. Thank you. And I do want to note that uh, the uh, director of the Office of Citizens Complaints uh, is here, uh, uh, Joyce Hicks. Great. Thank you, Chair Campos. Um, uh, W. Chief Rigno, if you just thank you for being here, and I'm sure other questions might arise from presentations from others and possibly from the public. So would like you to, of course, be ready for any right. of those responses. Thank you. Okay. Um, want to call up uh, our deputy public, our, our public defender, uh, Jeff Adachi. And I want to thank you for your op-ed today. Thank you, and thank you for calling uh, this hearing. I, of course, am in favor of body cameras, and while I believe strongly in the right of privacy, I think that the use of body cameras has the potential of radically reforming our criminal justice system and public safety, you know, for the better. For the public, body cameras are a shield against excessive force and unlawful arrest. For officers, they are armor against false accusations and vindictive lawsuits. We're behind the curve in San Francisco. Officers in Oakland, Union City, Los Gatos, Gilroy, Brentwood, Vallejo, and Campbell already wear uh, chest-mounted cameras. There's no doubt, based on the research and best practices, that body cameras do improve police conduct. In the first year, uh, the Rialto Police Department, uh, it was found that the use of force by officers dropped by, get this, 60%, and citizens' complaints fell by 88% within one year. Why is this? Well, because there's an objective record, um, which is the benefit of having a camera. And studies say that the effect of third-party observers uh, on behavior plays a major role. We've already seen this as people have uh, cameras on their phones and often will uh, uh, video uh, arrest in other parts of uh, a detention or interaction with law enforcement. And we've already seen the impact from that when that occurs. Uh, As you recall, we had an incident in San Francisco where my office obtained video uh, showing officers violating the constitutional rights of individuals who were living at an SRO hotel. And based on that, uh, we were able to institute uh, some important reforms. So put simply, you know, knowing their conduct is being recorded uh, keeps people honest. There is a recent federal survey of 63 law enforcement agencies uh, that use body cameras and they found that nearly a third of the departments had no written policy on the devices. That's why it's absolutely critical that we have a written policy. I know there's been some reference to that policy. I've not seen that policy. I would like to see it. I brought a copy of the policy from uh, Duluth, uh, Minnesota. Um, I know the public defender there, and recently uh, they have armed their uh, police officers, each officer, uh, with a camera. And it's pretty amazing that in real time, the cameras feed into a computer, and the computer recordings are then available uh, to the police, to the prosecutors, 
uh, into uh, defense counsel. Cameras alone won't solve misconduct unless we have strict policies in place uh, that dictate when those cameras are to be used. You're not going to see a return on the investment. In uh, 2012, an Oakland uh, high school student named Ellen Blueford was fatally shot by an Oakland, Oakland police officer. Uh, some witnesses said uh, that uh, uh, the, the young man uh, was reaching for or holding a gun. Others said that there was no gun and he was simply trying to stand up after falling down. We'll never know what version of that story is correct because although the officer was wearing a lapel camera, he had turned it off right before uh, the the uh, interaction. I know the ACLU is here, and I agree that we have to address uh, those privacy concerns. Uh, police often often have interactions or enter homes uh, during the worst moments of a citizen's life, and so the policy has to contain protections and penalties against leaking uh, the footage. I actually have a copy of the policy from the Duluth uh, Police Department. And uh, I don't have a copy for everyone, but I, I have three copies for you, and I'll be happy to make it available to anyone else who wants to see it. Um, but these policies are actually very good. They cover uh, when the cameras are on. It's a much broader list than uh, what I heard referenced earlier. Uh, in Duluth, uh, they include traffic stops, uh, traffic violations, stranded uh, motorist assistance, and all crime interdiction stops, priority responses, vehicle pursuits, arrests, vehicle searches, physical and verbal confrontations, use of force, prisoner transports, crimes in progress, taking a statement or information from a suspect or witness, you know, which is key, again, because you're not going to have differing interpretations as to what somebody said. And then they also include any situation or incident that the officer, through training and experience, believes uh, should be audibly or visually uh, preserved. And then it has instances where recordings uh, should be uh, stopped in certain instances. They have other instances where the recording is prohibited uh, to protect the officer's right of privacy as well as that of the citizens. And then the supervisors have certain responsibilities with respect to the recordings. It also sets forth uh, when the recordings uh, may be reviewed and uh, by who. Um, Anything like that? We don't have anything like that in our police department in terms of the pilot program? Rules. You know, I, I don't know because I haven't seen. I just heard a reference uh, earlier to, I guess, some policy. Oh, we, can, we can ask the deputy chief that. When... Oh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? So um, the public defender, Mr. Dachi, had uh, mentioned that there are rules in, I think it's Duluth, Minnesota, yeah. uh, that determine when the uh, body cameras are used and how they're used and they were pretty detailed especially um, the list of interactions uh, and I'm wondering what rules that we have in place about when cameras will be used you did mention briefly that there's discretion about consensual encounters um, but I didn't quite hear other other rules and policies in place about the camera use there are rules in place, and again, the policy is at the city attorney's office being reviewed. People are weighing in, so it's not adopted yet. It hasn't been presented before the uh, police commission yet. But definitely, uh, like Mr. Adachi said, we want to make sure we support the privacy rights, things with juveniles, uh, people that are victims of sexual assaults and whatnot. Um, and there's a lot of rules associated with when they use the cameras and when... Uh, 
and how to document the evidence so that the evidence is maintained. Great. And so will those be adopted in the general orders of the police department? No, or Yes. It's in the policy. So yes, a general order. Okay. And then I think it would be great for us to be able to see them as well. Right. I, I, and I, once the draft is approved, we'll definitely make sure that that's available. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, Mr. Dachi. I mean, one, one thing that I, I would note um, is that if there's an opportunity uh, for us to review those and provide, uh, you know, our um, perspective, I, I think that would be valuable. Because what often happens is that a policy comes out, um, there are unintended consequences, uh, it's not thought of in terms of what we need from our perspective uh, in order to prepare defense. And uh, what happens is we end up, you know, litigating this in court. I would prefer a more collaborative approach uh, since we all agree, I think, uh, that used properly, these cameras uh, can uh, be valuable for, for both sides. And uh, I have a good relationship with Chief Sir, and you know, my hope is, is that we have an opportunity to review uh, the criteria you know, before uh, they are uh, implemented. Um, just, in, in I, I, just on that point, uh, I would concur. I think that makes a, a lot of sense, and especially I believe the cameras have the ability to help bridge uh, relationships and ease some of the tensions that might exist because of different perceptions about how an encounter with uh, police officers has occurred. So I'd like to you know, put that out there that that could be, um, there could be that sharing of the general order bef before it's actually adopted by the police commission. I know that's the expectation. I'm certain that Chief Sir would agree to that. Um, you know, it's not fully framed yet. So I think once it's fully framed, then of course we'd want to collaborate. We want this to work. So that's the whole point of it. So collaborating is definitely great. Thank you. Take. Uh, just in, in conclusion, um, with the right planning and protections, body cameras can shed light on clashes that leave citizens confused uh, and anguished. I mean, body uh, ca uh, camera footage would have provided uh, critical information, say in the Ferguson case in the killing of uh, Michael Brown. It could have also uh, presented answers in a case much closer to home, uh, the, the fatal shooting of Alex Nieto. Uh, the camera is an objective witness which is capable of either implicating or exonerating suspects and police officers alike. We need its transparency and objectivity in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Uh, public Defender. I do want to have a question. Uh, and again, I want to thank uh, our public defender for um, being so proactive on so many of these issues. Uh, and uh, we're very lucky to have him uh, and the work that he does. Uh, and by the way, to the extent uh, that there is a review of the, the policy in the uh, Department of General Order when it comes out, uh, you know, we've had joint meetings uh, of the Public Safety Committee of the board and the police commission before. So, you know, maybe that presents uh, an opportunity to have a, a joint discussion. Uh, but I do have a question about the pilot and, and maybe uh, I, I meant to ask this of the chief uh, as well and, and, you know, whoever would like to comment. Uh, in terms of uh, the pilot, is it better to have uh, a pilot where you have X number of cameras distributed across the 10 districts? Or has there been any thought to perhaps just selecting one entire district uh, where, where the 100 or so cameras we have uh, would go? I, I'm just trying to understand the efficacy of, of either approach. So I know that Chief Sir has given this great thought, and uh, they've given a great consideration. 
basically it's going to be assigned to the investigative unit. The station investigative teams are all one unit. They're housed in different locations, but their overall mission and goal is the same. So um, similar to how our motorcycle officers are deployed, they all come out of the traffic division, but they're assigned to different places. So because we only have 165 cameras, we really had to uh, figure out the best way to move forward. And again, this is a pilot, so it doesn't mean that we can't change the way it shakes out if it's not fruitful. No, I understand that. I guess the question is more, you know, uh, is it better to, to the extent that we're, you know, looking at the, whether or not it makes sense to have the entire, you know, police force have cameras. Right. Uh, does it make sense to, to simply concentrate on one district where everyone in that district uh, will have the cameras as opposed to dividing it among the 10 police districts. Right. And I, again, I know that the chief gave that great consideration, and I think he really wanted to make sure that it started with supervisors so that we can get the buy-in and, uh, you know, from all of the troops. So I think that's the strategy moving forward is to make sure that we start at the top and then it seeds itself throughout the department. I see. Okay. Thank you. The only thing I would add to that is that it depends on what you want to measure. You know, if you want to measure the impact that the crime cameras have on a particular crime problem in a community, then obviously you'd want to focus uh, and concentrate the cameras in that community and target even particularly certain types of arrests. For example, you're going to target car thefts or, you know, certain types of, of crime. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, as, as the uh, captain said, if the goal is to, you know, have the senior staff, uh, supervising staff become more uh, familiar with the process, uh, because it is a huge administrative responsibility. Um, plus, you know, we haven't had the best of luck uh, with uh, technology in the criminal justice system. Uh, so that's going to present a challenge as well. Um, but if, again, the, the focus is, is just to get the uh, uh, supervising police officers uh, familiar with the technology, then I, I agree that that would be the the, the way to go. I, I just think we have to be aware of limitations. Um, if only certain police officers throughout the city are going to be um, given the cameras. And I just Thank had you. one one more comment about that is if we put it all in one neighborhood, we don't want to target one community, one group of people. It's better if we spread it off across the board because we really target the goal of the police department is to target behavior, not people. So it's important that we do it across the board. Thank you. Great, thank you. I uh, appreciate both of your presentations. I also want to call up um, Ms. Joyce Hicks from the Office of Citizen Complaints. This is, is this one on? Yes. Good afternoon, Supervisor Avalos and Supervisor Campos. I'm Joyce Hicks, the director of the San Francisco Office of Citizen Complaints, and I thank you for inviting me to attend uh, today's hearing. I'm here today to testify in support of uh, body-mounted cameras for the San Francisco police officers, so long as uh, privacy considerations are taken into account. And I will address two issues, privacy and civilian complaints. Um, uh, Public Defender Jeff Adachi has um, addressed some of those privacy uh, issues. Um, I, too, have not yet seen the draft uh, San Francisco Police Department policy, but I would support a broader policy than that 
which has been outlined in the PowerPoint presentation. However, I understand that the projected five-year cost of implementation, full implementation of body-mounted cameras uh, would exceed $20 million, and there's only a $250,000 grant for the pilot project. Um, on the one hand, um, the greater scope of situations where uh, body-mounted cameras are employed, the more transparency for the community. On the other hand, that same scope um, could um, uh, give the possibility of harm to community relations if an appropriate and carefully drafted policy is not in place. Uh, so, of course, uh, we would uh, at the OCC first want to see the, the proposed uh, a policy. And as has been the practice um, with other uh, proposed police uh, policies, uh, before the policy um, is uh, even presented to um, the, the police commission, um, the OCC, uh, and particularly through um, our policy analyst, uh, Sam Ramarian, meets not only with um, the department, the police department, but also with members of the community. Because one of the things that has been pointed out in this 76-page report from the Police Executive Research Forum, and that, that it's extremely important to have community buy-in um, before implementing a body-mounted camera program. Um, but uh, both sides, uh, uh, both sides of the fence, so to speak, uh, the ACLU as well as the Police Executive Research Forum support uh, body cameras, uh, and, and the uh, Police Executive Research Forum decided to get in front of this issue by uh, understanding that uh, this is the new technology that uh, many members uh, of the community are using camera phones to um, record police uh, community uh, encounters so that it would be important uh, to have a, a defined um, defined recommendations about what is key uh, to an effective um, body-worn camera program, one, um, and one that um, protects privacy. Uh, what I would say uh, about um, PERF's, uh, first their study, and um, public defender Adachi um, referenced that, um, uh, PERF sent out a 500 surveys to 500 police departments. Over 200 um, um, police departments responded to that survey. Then, but only um, 63 departments had body-mounted cameras. Then PERF uh, conducted a town hall meeting, uh, and they had 200 police chiefs, sheriffs, scholars, uh, and others to discuss body-worn cameras. They developed 37 recommendations, um, but in addressing privacy issues in particular, um, they said that agencies must factor in privacy rights when it comes to recording um, victim interviews um, um, involving rape, abuse, nudity, and other sensitive subjects, and when recording in people's homes. Um, they indicated that um, the most common approach, though, keeping, keeping privacy um, uh, under consideration, 
the most common approach of those 63 police departments is that their policies required the officers to record all calls for service uh, and law enforcement related encounters and activities and only to deactivate the camera at the conclusion of the event or with supervisor, supervisor approval because there is room for abuse if an officer has discretion and departments have reported that they have observed um, a, a, a few officers in, engaging in discretionary, uh, improper discretionary, um, uh, cutting off the recorder, and um, they were disciplined. Um, it's important to define what constitute, constitutes a law enforcement-related counter or activity. Um, other um, considerations are officer safety, if it's impractical or if it's impossible to record. Um, and then finally, to promote accountability, uh, that most policies require officers to document on camera or in writing why the officer deactivated the camera. Um, as um, was, was previously mentioned, some agencies have reported a significant um, reduction uh, in, um, in civilian uh, complaints and also in use of force incidents. Um, it's, it's the position of some police chiefs that it, it encourages uh, better conduct um, on both sides, both from the officer as well as from the civilian. But one thing that made me take pause in, in, uh, in reading um, uh, this study is that uh, some internal affairs divisions use the footage uh, from the uh, uh, body-mounted camera to show to the complainant, uh, and then they uh, indicate that, and then the complainant withdraws the complaint. But that's not the end of the story for um, an, uh, an agency like the Office of Citizen Complaints, because what's recorded on the camera doesn't encompass all of the possibilities uh, for neglect of duty, failure to follow a policy. It is evidence, but not the only evidence. But, you know, what, what has um, been urged is that when uh, an officer wears a, a body-mounted camera, that does enable um, the viewers to see things from the officer's uh, perspective. Um, additionally, the data from uh, body-mounted cameras can be used for training purposes. Uh, if the, the department sees a, a pattern of activity that they believe should, should change, they can use that for training purposes. And, and for an agency like myself, which is historically and can use, continues to be underfunded um, in, in terms of having adequate uh, investigators, um, it, it can be very useful uh, in helping to resolve complaints, to resolve complaints more quickly. And in those instances where it's a one-on-one -on -one encounter and nearly impossible to prove or disprove without um, additional evidence. Um, it's also um, um, been found by some departments, police departments, that they have been able to uh, determine racial profiling um, instances uh, with these body-mounted cameras, whereas those uh, types of complaints are very difficult to prove otherwise. So to conclude, the OCC supports the concept of the uh, San Francisco Police Department pilot project, but we've not yet seen the policy. Uh, we would encourage that um, there be collaborative meetings, uh, uh, including um, 
uh, my agency, of course the public defender and other members of the community. Um, and if governed by clear written policies, we believe that body-worn cameras, the OCC believes that body-worn cameras for police officers can create greater transparency, accountability, enhanced investigations uh, of police misconduct, and improve community police relations. So thank you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your, your presentation. Um, colleagues, any comments or questions? Um, so I actually want to call the, the chief, deputy chief up. Um, and I do really appreciate your uh, statement that we want to make sure that these cameras are going to be used effectively. We want to make sure that there's input from departments. Um, uh, uh, De Director Hicks mentioned um, making sure that there is vetting with the community. That's a good right. practice that PERF has, has uh, elicited in their reports. Is that something that will be available for people in San Francisco as you're developing your policy that that will be shared with? Yes, uh, I'm certain that that's the goal. Just much like when we uh, redid the community policing kind of a general order, we want to include groups for sure. Okay, great. So um, that'll so they'll be vetting with city departments. I, I think it'd be great uh, at some point if that wants to be reviewed by this committee, um, be a good place to review as well. And with and with the community, I'm I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, there was a discussion about uh, discretion about when cameras are turned on and turned off. Right. And if you could summarize that, just your approach that you've you already have in place in terms well, of much like uh, director Hicks mentioned there are certain you know victims of domestic violence sexual abuse uh, things involving children juveniles we want to be really you know there's some things that it's not appropriate to utilize cameras in and we want to be again very sensitive to protecting people's dignity and and rights okay and then uh, you mentioned in your first presentation that there was discretion around um, the use of the cameras during consensual Right. So a consensual encounter is really just you walk up and say hi, you mind if I talk to you. Sometimes we receive complaints that are very vague, so a person can say no, please don't do that, and we would respect that. Okay. Um, just a quick question, if I may, and maybe this goes also, it's just, it goes back to what Director Hicks was saying. Um, when a camera is turned off um, in other departments, does the officer have to get permission to do that or does the officer have the 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 ability authority to do that on their own you mean like mid event mm -hmm. no i think once the camera is activated we would expect and require them to keep the camera on however it is technology so you know i don't know if that's i mean i would imagine sometimes they have snafus great thank you um, so I don't think I have any other city staff who are presenting, so I think we can go on to public comment, but as far as the order of public comment, I, I want to call it first um, the ACLU, and we have uh, Tessa uh, De Archangelo, uh, who's here. Good afternoon, thank you. Um, 
I represent the ACLU of Northern California. And first of all, I want to commend the Board of Supervisors and the San Francisco Police Department for proactively considering body cameras and really looking into what that would mean and what that would look like. Um, body cameras have the potential to quickly resolve questions following an encounter, prevent problems from arising in the first place by increasing both officer professionalism but also better public behavior when they know they're being recorded, um, and help agencies to identify and correct larger structural problems. Um, overall, we think body cams can be a win-win, uh, but only if they are deployed within a framework of strong and enforceable policies to ensure that they protect the public and our officers without becoming yet another system for routine surveillance that assumes guilt rather than innocence. I want to really thank the police department for mentioning privacy and dignity in our rights many times in their presentation. I couldn't walk away from this podium as the ACLU without talking about privacy. Um, and I also want to acknowledge and appreciate that we're at the very beginning of a process with um, this policy being put forth and the report coming out. As with any surveillance technology, any technology, law enforcement needs to explain both why and how they plan to use surveillance technologies like body cameras um, before decisions are made. And there also needs to be a defined purpose and desired outcome. So there is one thing that I want to flag, which is that Supervisor Avalos opened up the hearing today talking about a specific purpose um, around Ferguson and loss of life and other really grave concerns. And in hearing the presentation, I heard a lot about search and consensual search and acknowledging uh, when someone says, yes, go ahead, check in my car, for example. Um, so if that is my understanding, I want to flag that as a concern because I'm not sure that the pilot is going to align with the purpose that we're seeking to achieve. This is an incredibly important technology in increasing accountability, transparency, and public trust, and the public really needs an opportunity to weigh in. So I want to re reiterate what Ms. Hicks and Mr. Adachi said when they talked about bringing in other city officials, county officials, the public, the community, and really ensuring that there is a robust public process. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, any other member of the public who'd like to comment? I actually have um, on the list Angela Chan, but I don't see her in the audience. But uh, public comment is now open if people want to come up. Uh, and if you're going to speak, um, you can perhaps line up along the wall uh, by the windows. It'd be great. Thank you. So I, do, so I do want to say that this isn't a silver bullet. I think, you know, we have this idea that we do this, everything's going to be solved. It's not a silver bullet. But I'm here because I think this idea of privacy, like my dad was a transvestite, but he was closeted. So, like, let's say the police went into his house because there was a criminal in, in his house that they were going to arrest, and then this video was released of all his wigs and makeup and things like this, and then I saw it or another family member saw it or his employer saw it or his church saw it. It could be devastating to a person. So where do, how do we protect the lifestyles of people in San Francisco and privacy of people in San Francisco when people could be attacked for the same stuff? Who gets access to it? When is it disclosed? How long is it held? And then uh, three years, I think, is a really long time. You know, I, what I got from the ACLU on their paper that anybody can download called Body Mounted Cameras with uh, 
right policies in place, a win for all. But it has to be really about privacy, not just kind of lip service that the police department or other people are doing. And I think Jeff Adachi, if he doesn't sign off on this, I trust him more than anybody. And Avalos, I trust also, and so Compost. These are some of the brightest people in San Francisco. And I, I volunteered on Gascon's campaign as the number one volunteer, so I think he should be included too, because he's a former police chief, and he's the, the district attorney. So there are other people that can be at this table, and we should include everybody, and definitely the citizen, because we are the ones that are going to be on the other side. And also politicians, you know, if this gets out some scandal, and then it gets released, like Jeff said in his editorial, uh, on TMZ, you know, I don't want that kind of nasty politics. Because, you know, I mean, I've seen an assembly race recently that has shocked me in the behavior of people. So I don't want that kind of stuff being held over somebody's head because there was a political, you know, out for somebody. And in terms of this kind of uh, who else should be included, our sheriff, you know, he, his realignment has been very successful. And, you know, probably body cameras are going to go over there, too, in the future. So we should get him in the loop right away also. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. Uh, next speaker, please. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Sophie Edelhart, and I am vice chair of the San Francisco Youth Commission and a member of the Youth Justice Committee this year. I am here to speak in support of equipping police officers with body cameras. Improving youth police relations has been a priority of the Youth Justice Committee and the Youth Commission for several years now. And seeing as there still isn't a youth training um, in the police department, we still see lots of room for improvement. Um, this step is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, in terms of committing to better police interactions with youth in the community. We know this is a worthwhile investment as seen in um, Rialto, which was mentioned bef before, but saw a 60% reduction in police use of force and an 88% reduction in citizens' complaints. Um, again, I'd like to reiterate the positive effect this could have on youth and police interactions. I'd like to thank Supervisor Avalos for bringing this issue to the table and Public Defender Jeff Adachi for his continued commitment to the issue. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. So good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Luis Avalos. I'm the legislative affairs officer for the Youth Commission and also a member of the Immigration and Employment Committee. I'm here basically to also just show my support for this new ordinance to have police officers have body cameras. I personally have never had any issues with the police, but from the info that my peers have given me, especially those who are undocumented and especially those who are applying for DACA, for them, because it's part of a major requirement to have a clean criminal record or not have a significant felony or misdemeanor on the record, you know, they're very often very apprehensive about approaching the police, not because they're the perpetrator in a sort of crime, but because they're worried often that by affiliation this will go on their record and, you know, prevent them from getting future resources in the future. So. As my colleague, you know, just said, you know, it's a priority of ours to improve police and youth relationship. So, and I think this is a step in the right direction, not just for youth, but for everyone throughout the whole city. And I think, you know, San Francisco, as I've said many times, is a leader in a lot of innovation. And I think this is just another great example of how we can do it. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Maddie Scott. I am the Executive Director of Healing for Our Families in Our Nation, the San Francisco Brady President, and also the San Francisco Chapter Leader for Mothers in Charge. Um, 
I am here in support of the uh, Dave, Supervisor Dave Campus bill regarding the, the um, PG&E uh, telephone poles as well as the police um, having cameras on them. I think they both are very vital pieces um, that needs to be passed um, because we're building police communications, first of all. The police is part of the community. Um, they're needed, and this is also to protect them. So at the end of the day, they can go home, and at the end of the day, our children can come home. So that this will work to benefit not only police officers, but as well as the community as a whole, and to, to begin to build a cohesiveness and the trust that we need so much that has caused such a um, diverse um, impact in the department and people's biases against the the uh, police officers. Also, we definitely need the telephone poles with PG&E. I lost my son in uh, July 17, 1996 to gun violence, and I wish they had had those poles at that time. Uh, San Francisco had 96 homicides that year, and, and uh, I have a mother who lost three sons of violence and another mother who lost two. Had we have those poles, it's very vital because it's going to help the police department, and it helps us as residents who are working uh, together with the police because we're all community. So I'm in favor of both of these, and um, I hope that it gets passed. And thank you, Supervisor Avalos and Campos and everyone that's here. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Carletta Jackson Lane. I'm the Executive Director of Sojourner Truth Foster Family Service Agency. I would like to take this opportunity to thank both supervisors, uh, Cavos, as well as um, I wanted to stress to you the importance of uh, both of these bills. And in terms of uh, youth, specifically who we see in foster care, uh, they often have trust issues in, around uh, authority and law enforcement. I would like to state that uh, this is an opportunity for uh, youth as well as uh, transition youth and adults, citizens in the city and county of San Francisco to actually uh, have a good relationship with the police department. I would also like to state that uh, I'm a mediator for the Office of, Office of Citizens Complaints and that whole structure was set up through the police commission so that uh, officers had a chance to communicate with residents around how they felt that they were being treated. And it's, it's, very, it's a very powerful tool. And I've been doing mediation in regards to that for over four years now. My father is a retired San Francisco police officer uh, for 35 years here in San Francisco. And I want to stress the fact that the cameras are, are vital for both helping uh, cases move forward around these uh, violent situations, as well as it also can be seen as helping the police officers so that um, they can feel that they, you know, can actually be heard as well. So I think this is a phenomenal opportunity for our residents here. And um, as Maddie Scott said, you know, we are facing an epidemic around actual gun violence with our youth. And uh, we're just grateful that we have uh, supervisors who are willing to open their mind and uh, the vision that includes all the residents of San Francisco. Thank you. <clears throat> 
Thank you very much. Uh, are there any other members of the public who would like to comment? And seeing none come forward, I think we can close public comment. Um, so I want to thank everyone for uh, presenting today, uh, especially uh, members of the public and uh, Deputy Chief Ferrigno from the Police Department. Um, I just want to reiterate that what's coming forward is a pilot program. It's not going city-wide, um, and I, the pilot program will be two years, I believe, is what uh, Deputy Chief had said. Uh, and I hope that during that pilot program, you will have a lot of you know, questions that you know, are raised and can be addressed in future policies if we go forward with the program. And uh, the general orders that are being developed that will <clears throat> guide the pilot program are still being addressed. And uh, what I'm actually very um, glad to hear is that you know, there's, a consen there's consensus that this program uh, would be about building relationships uh, between the police and the community, uh, and that is can be founded on trust, and that there's an interest in making sure that the general orders are vetted uh, prior to adoption with uh, city departments and uh, members of the public. And I do think the ACLU would be good to be part of that process. Uh, and um, as a thorough vetting as possible that still enables the program to go quickly, I think will help to enable that that trust is, is made and the program can be effective. Uh, so I, I was really happy to hear that. Um, I, 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 w I do want to support under the right conditions the expansion of the program to citywide, and I do have concerns, of course, about the cost of that. Uh, $21 million citywide over the course of five years, a little over $4 million, if I do my math correctly, $4 million a year, um, might be something that uh, could go down in future years, uh, depending on what storage of, of data is going to be like in the future, um, but could also be offset by um, lowered complaints that come forward that cost the city money in terms of litigation. So I think there's ways of looking at that cost as something that might that could be cost effective even under the current conditions. So I'm very excited about that moving moving forward uh, in in the future. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be around on the board when that is actually uh, finally enacted, um, but it's likely to have my support. Uh, you know, if I'm still here. So I want to thank everyone for your uh, your work, Youth Commission as well for weighing in on this. And um, we, this item, I think we can probably. Um, file and we can come up with a new one if we want to review uh, in the future um, the general orders or other policies around the cameras. Okay. Great. Thank you, uh, Supervisor Avalos. And uh, uh, again, I, I, I really uh, appreciate the leadership that you have provided on this issue. And I actually think that uh, body-mounted cameras uh, make sense uh, as a matter of policy. Uh, and I, I especially appreciate the members of the com uh, community that have come out to speak about this. Uh, especially our young people. Uh, I know we have the acting director of the Youth uh, Commission here as well. Uh, but I want to I want to thank the young people who have commented on this. And my my only suggestion to the police department would be that uh, as they're working with the uh, city attorney's office to draft the policy, uh, that they share the draft uh, with folks uh, before you actually bring something forward to. Uh, the commission or to this body uh, so that you get people's uh, feedback, uh, you know, uh, beforehand as much as possible. And I know that you work closely with the OCC to do that, but, you know, some of these other agencies like the ACLU. Um, and, you know, in terms of cost, uh, I think we also have to provide some context. Uh, 
if it's $4 million a year, uh, that's less than 1% of the total police department budget, as I understand it. So, uh, you know, I think that in, in the end, uh, th there is a financial cost that, that is significant. But in the larger scheme of things, you probably end up uh, not only saving money uh, because of the reduction in the number of cases that are brought against uh, uh, the police department, but you know you you gain something that's even more important, which is uh, the community trust uh, or is enhanced. Uh, and not only that, but uh, the ability for officers uh, to use this as. Uh, uh, the public defender said as an armor against, you know, false allegations as well. So I think the benefits uh, do uh, surpass the, the financial costs. So I hope that, that uh, we pursue this uh, as quickly as possible. And uh, I am very grateful that the police, uh, that the Youth Commission noted that we still are waiting to hear on the uh, training around youth uh, police interaction. So hopefully uh, we will hear from the police department on that uh, very shortly. So we have uh, we have a motion. We can have a motion to file this uh, without objection. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Clerk. Do we have any other business before the committee? There's no further business, Mr. Chair. Great business. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much to our police department, OCC, go Giants.